Hey, hey, GBLers. Welcome to Get Busy Living, a podcast that brings inspiring people together to discover what ignites them to be bigger than themselves. I'm your host, Ann O'Neill. Well, our guest today is going to appeal to everyone as his craft is in the kitchen. Today, I talk with the international star chef, Dennis Litley. Dennis has had all kinds of various jobs throughout the cooking and restaurant industry. And then just when he thought he was going to retire, he became a famous food blogger and social media influencer. Get ready for an entertaining and mouthwatering conversation with Ask Chef Dennis. Well, Dennis, I'm so excited you're on today. You know, you are a universal guest that everyone is going to appeal to because your craft and language is all about food and everyone can relate to that. So we're so excited to have you on the Get Busy Living podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Ann, today. And yeah, I know I I picked a good topic when I started blogging because everybody eats. Someone asked me, who's your market? And I said, well, pretty much everybody. Right. It is everyone. I mean, so I knew we were having this conversation today and I was like cooking breakfast and I realized how much more conscious I was of the food I was creating just because I knew we were having this conversation. So we'll have to get into that a little bit later, but let's give everyone a little bit of your story. Like how did you become a chef and chef Dennis? Well, it was a long tour. Actually, it's it started, I got the bug, I think, when I was younger, because my mom worked nights, she was a nurse, and I would be left to fend for myself some afternoons. So I started getting the idea that if I knew how to cook, I would eat. And then there was a guy on TV, I was telling him, Graham Kerr, the galloping gourmet, and he, he would bring people down from the audience, and they would moan when they <laughs> ate. You know, he, he, he was cutting edge back then. He's really corny if you look at the old shows now compared to where we've gone. Okay. But I think that resonated with me and always stuck with me because my artistic talents leave a lot to be desired in most other categories. I can do some okay, mm-hmm. but nothing well. But cooking always seemed to be where I would shine and uh, where I could make people really happy. And that's something that has always been you know, very important to me. You know, I'm a, I'm a Virgo and they say, you, you're a people pleaser. You like to make people happy. <laughs> yeah. How did that kind of end up being a career for you? I know you've had a couple of stops along the way oh, yeah. and that journey is so interesting. So I'd love for you to kind of speak to that. Yeah. You know, it was the old Jack of all trades, master of none. When you're young, you try so many different things, trying to find something. And, you know, I, and food always drew me, but I just, there was something at that point, it didn't seem magical to me. You know, I was a musician. I wrote jingles for radio stations, but you know, I was okay. I wasn't great. You know, I was a carpenter. I thought I was a poet, you know, there was all kinds of things I was trying along the way. And then it seemed like when I needed a job, food was always there, you know, it was in some form or another, whether it was managing a hamburger place, or uh, I I worked at a ran a nursing homes food service. And then I finally got into the kitchen back into the kitchen uh, as an apprentice for some chefs. And that's where I really started to refine my trade. And, And I learned all the different aspects. I went to school and had an associates in food science. So I learned the business side of things and all the different parts that make it work. But the practical, you know, someone had asked me one time, what can a culinary, this was after I'd learned everything, what can a culinary student make in an hour? And I said, I raised my hand. I said, the only thing they can make in an hour is a mess. I said, (laughs) I said, you give them all day. They will give you the world. 
I says, because they are super talented, but I mean, you put them under pressure until they've actually worked in the industry and they've been under pressure to have to produce in a short period of time. A lot of them just haven't understood that part of the job yet. So I learned that really first as I was learning how to do everything. So it was more of a hands-on kind of a job. And that that's how I became a chef. And then over course of different injuries, my body started breaking down and I had to go into management instead of being a chef. Mm. So I went to work for a food service company and uh, I had was running this massive place and I was burned out. And uh, they sent me, I'd been sending employees to this, I call it the Island of Misfit Toys. That was where I would send everybody that was kind of beat up and broken and needed to rest. Well, that's where they, that's where they ended up sending me to run it <laughs> after this tour. and. I'm standing there and a woman that I had sent there previously looked at me and says, get in the kitchen and make yourself useful. And she scared me. So I went, yes, (laughs) ma'am. I was the boss. (laughs) And I started cooking again. And uh, despite the fact I shouldn't have, and I quadrupled sales, I started becoming legendary in this place and went back through things. And then I had another carpal tunnel surgery because I shouldn't have been doing that. Mm. And when I came back, my boss had, gone to a different company and he went to a school system and he says, I have a job for you. So with reluctance, I even went out to look at it. And when the principal said, you work 165 days a year, I went, when would you like me to start? <laughs> like that schedule. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. And uh, again, I was relegated to the office and I'm sitting there with basically nothing to do. And um, food was horrible. You know, it just was not, it was school food. It was all girls Catholic high school. I have to start cooking again. They know I'm not supposed to, but I have to, because I just couldn't take it. And and I started cooking and then it became like a made for TV movie. They painted murals of me on the walls and they were, yeah, because the food got so good so fast. I was going to say, the only thing I remember from school are like those square rectangle pizzas. Like that was the the number one thing I remember. So I can imagine with your skills on there. Oh, we lived for those pizzas too. Remember it was like pizza day. Oh my God. It was a big deal. (laughs) Well, they were busy eating nothing but chicken fingers. That was their big Mm. thing, which chicken fingers are wonderful, but I mean, not every day and you you have to have other choices. So we started gradually doing that. And then the seniors were like, just, they couldn't understand where they were getting all this food. They were coming into my office and I love you, Dennis. Thank you so much. You know, it's like, oh my God. And they're cursing me at the same time because they're gaining weight (laughs) because little known fact, when girls are just with girls, they will eat. If they're right. with boys, nowadays, I think they do eat, you know, good, which is very good. But back in those days, it was like, you know, they would pretend not to be hungry. You know, now mm. they've learned that it's okay to show a good appetite. I had started my blogging because of the girls, because I wanted someplace for them to go to interact. And none of them ever wanted to. They just wanted to come see me. They didn't want to. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't want to do it on, you know, computers were still kind of new back in 2009. And so, I mean, not new, but this whole messaging and everything. But I started to get readers all around the world, which has just boggled my mind. Oh my gosh. You know, it's Ask Chef Dennis, if you guys are listening and you can Google it up, he's all over social media and the website is just amazing and so easy to navigate. Uh, But I don't want to miss a couple of these incredible points that you had in this story which was amazing, all the different jumps you had between 
being a sous chef and then working in large organizations, you know, on the business side and then working in the boarding school. What I really heard there was there were so many skill sets that, you know, I didn't even know about thinking about food, but you have strategy, you have planning, you okay. have business management, you know, so many different things, even along with like kind of teamwork there in the, yeah. in the back of the kitchen. So what, what did that look like that helped develop your skill set to be able to do what you're doing now? Well, you know, it's it's funny that to run a kitchen, you have to be proficient in so many different areas. And, you know, I was lucky to get them like kind of bite by bite as I went through the journey. And, and I had that type of uh, of added, not attitude, but it was in, in me to be that leader. You know, I, I always says, my wife says, oh, you don't want anybody else to take charge. I says, that's not true. I says, if they're competent. Right. And she just laughs. She goes, oh, yeah, it's always if they're competent. But who decides that? But in all business, you have to apply a, a leadership role. You have to be able to train people. You have to be able to communicate with people. And you have to be open to learning new skill sets. Depending upon what type of business this is, a lot of the same principles apply. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of doing what you do really well, using your time that's going to make you the most productive. And instead of killing yourself trying to do 12 things, you hire things out. You find good people. They can do the things that, you know, you could do them if you really push came to shove, but there would be no joy in it. And you wouldn't do it as well as someone that had that joy. Dennis, that spoke right to my heart. You might not be able to find joy in doing that task and delegating it and surrounding yourself with a, with a team is so, so important in that. Yeah. And it's not always easy to find that team, but, you know, it's a trial and error. Sometimes you get lucky with the first person, but, you know, don't think that's always going to happen because you're going to find people that are going to sell you a bill of goods. And me, you know, I, I'm trusting to a point where I'll believe you until I know otherwise. And, and, and then I borrow a line from the Godfathers, you're dead to me, Fredo. You know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love when you have a good movie quote on here. That's great. But yeah, it's a matter of just taking those things because what happens is if you begin doing all the things you find no joy in, pretty soon you won't find joy in what you're good at. Mm. And I remember hearing a little bit about your story that there was a time period where you lost a little bit of joy for cooking. Oh, yeah. And I'd love to hear that story because, you know, even playing basketball or when you're in your career and you're kind of, you know, just navigating through life. There are times where you're stepping back and trying to find that spark again for something that you love so much. So how did you come back to cooking and kind of, you know, reflame yourself onto uh, being such a great chef? Well, you, you know, I went through a period when I, I was actually told I couldn't work anymore and we moved to Florida and I went into depression and, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, and it wasn't like I wanted to hurt myself, but I just, I wouldn't get off the sofa. I wouldn't shower. I wouldn't shave. And the only time I would find some happiness was when I was doing, I used to do a lot of live videos. Oh. I did good when Google plus was around, I was doing shows and my wife says, that's the only time you're happy anymore. And uh, we moved to Florida and I, I, the blue skies and the sunshine and a little bit of medication made me happy again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, which I always tell people, it's not a bad thing if you have to take something. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But I started working and I, I did rekindle my spirit for cooking when we moved to Florida. And then we started traveling. And then again, I was doing so much. I was so intent on social media. I was so intent on building this other part of the business that I forgot about what I was really good at. You know, I didn't take my own advice at that point. And I forgot what I was really good at and what brought me the most joy. And 
at the end of the day, I was like, I'm so tired. You know, I just worked 10 hours in front of a computer pretty much. And I said, oh, let's go out to eat. You know, let's just go. And when the pandemic hit, as bad as it was for my travel plans and how the life adjustments I had to make, it did one thing for me that really helped. And it was reminded me that I like to cook because I had to cook every day. Mm-hmm. There was no going on. I mean, we, we all thought we were going to die just from being in the same state as someone with COVID at that mm-hmm. point, you know, mm-hmm. and I learned to order online, which I still do. And even if I don't feel like going to the grocery store, I just go on Instacart and go, brother, I'm not going today. You know, if it's when I like to pick out what I want, but right, some right. days I'm just not in the mood, but I get my meats online from companies. I get seafood from Alaska. I'm buying all these great things and, and I'm in the kitchen and I'm making things. Going, oh my God, this is wonderful. And I don't think I was ever as productive as I was those first few months after COVID. I was, I was cooking all kinds of things. And in fact, I was cooking a little too much. I was baking a little too much. I, <laughs> I, I went in for my physical and my blood sugar came back. And I went, oh my God. <laughs> I said, no more baked goods for Chef Dennis. <laughs> oh, so wow. I hired someone to make all my baked goods from now on. <laughs> Oh, wow. I, what a great story because there's so many people out there that, that experience that same kind of thing. And to be able to find again, that joy that ignites you to be able to be out here and getting back into your craft, you know, and finding new ways of growing yourself that way. And actually that's a really great thing. I do want to kind of talk a little bit about to you, Dennis, is how you've kept growing through this journey. You know, you thought you were going to be in retirement after that boarding school. And we touched upon it briefly and definitely we'll talk about the 2009 starting to blog, but how you always kind of find a new way to discover your next level, like keep growing and, you know, things that were maybe even in your blind spots that you didn't see. So how, how was that when you started blogging and getting into social media and what kind of new world that opened up that you had no idea was even possible? Well, you know, blogging in 2009, blogging was pretty new and there were all of the uh, the leaders. There were maybe a dozen bloggers that were the top of it. They were they were the hierarchy and the rest of us. There was there was no middle. Mm. It was all the way at the top and all of us new ones. And we were the peons and they would, you know, it, learning from them was very difficult because they wouldn't share anything. They were they wanted to stay at the top. And they didn't want to tell anybody else. So whenever I learned something at that point, I had been on Google plus I had found Google plus and it was a love hate relationship. People either loved it or hated it. I loved it. Okay. <laughs> I found my people there and i met so many people that helped teach me things. So that's where the growing came. Oh. You know, I I was international. Someone found me and wanted me to be on an international team of chefs to do video teaching. And it was like, I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm able to quit my job. This is amazing. This is so cutting edge. Well, it never transpired because (laughs) people didn't want to pay for something they could find on YouTube, but it put me in the forefront. It taught me how to do videos and and I met some of the most amazing business people in the world. Mm. You know, I met David Amerland who wrote Google semantic search and he would drop things to be on my shows or to be on things. So I, I had people, I had a tribe. <laughs> I love it. Was it scary at all to like learn something new like, like this technology and be out there putting yourself out there? Oh my God. My first videos, my first, how long it took before I got comfortable. They were ugly. They were, <laughs> oh my God. I, I remember looking at those. Oh, I was so 
bad, mm. but you know, you get better just through practice, like anything. And this was like, there were times that no one was watching. So practicing was easy because right, right. by the time I got where people were watching, I had a lot of interesting guests. So they were watching them more than me. And then I just mm. kept learning and learning, but yeah, it's, it's always scary, but it's exciting. I mean, that's part of the adrenaline rush. I really try to stay center on that present moment because in that present moment, you have like all of the creation that you can possibly like make and something new can develop by just trying it again. You know, for me, it was this podcast and posting on social media. I was, I'm a few years behind you. I got to tell you, but it's like, you know, I didn't know how to navigate that. I didn't know how to be out there with the people. But once I started, I was like, okay, videos, you know, if I say something Mm -hmm. that you don't like, we'll just edit it out. out. You know, you just figure it out and you keep going forward, you know? but you keep trying and you end up stretching yourself beyond what you really thought was even possible for yourself. And that goes back to your blogging. Oh yeah. I never imagined that I would be this successful. And, you know, my wildest dreams, we all had these visions of being super successful, but that was always way, way unattainable, you know, illusions Mm -hmm. of grandeur, you know, that I was going to be so the next big thing we always hoped. And I spent a lot of years on, well, I guess it's just not going to happen, but I'm having fun. You know, this is still good. You know, and there was joy in it. So I'm going to keep chipping away. And it's that ability not to give up, which took me again to the next level. It, it you know, opened a door for me. It, it, it provided, I mean, the first time someone paid me $75 to do something, I was like dancing in the street. Oh, and, you know, I was like, I oh my God, that. oh my God, someone paid me to write. Someone paid me to write. You know, this is amazing. You know, and, and now the joke is that my wife will hit me every time I say it. it was, I don't put pants on for $75. You know, <laughs> Oh, that's so great. That's so great. But, you know, you start somewhere and you keep building and just, again, having friends would talk to me. And and I've always tried if someone comes to me for help and I know them, you know, we have a relationship, I will spend time trying to help them and make them stronger because I've always been of the mindset that a rising tide raises all boats and making people better only helps make you better. They'll say, what can I do for you? I says, next time someone asks you for help, give it to them. I said, that's what you can do for me, pay it forward, because that's the most important lesson. People, I didn't do this by myself. People have helped me. So, Yes. And you never know where that energy and that positive vibration is going to be coming back to you. And yeah. yeah, I mean, that's just, that's so amazing that you have that. I love that quote. Oh, and it sounds like through your journey, you've been able to learn so much and give so much at the same time through this growing experience for you. Well, it's got to be good for the people around you. It can't be all about you. I mean, there's enough people that are like that. But mm-hmm. you know, when, when we were sharing, when we were talking about a social media strategy and how to, how to share things on social, it says, well, it's got to be good for them and it's got to be good for you. It can't be just good for one of you. You know, I might help you in a situation where it's not really going to benefit me because I want to help you. But in, in normal life, it's got to be a benefit for both for it to really work, for it to really be successful. You know, and again, the other thing I tell people is, is don't be afraid to talk to your competitor. Don't think that as a competitor, think of them as possibly being your best friend because you both share the same problems you both share the same business and really who else could be your best friend because someone that does everything that you do 
That's so right. And you never know when, you know, you team up or you partner or even just stay in communication with someone like that, what exponentially can evolve from that kind of friendship or partnership. And I think that's so big as we're in careers and we've been a little bit isolated with COVID and the pandemic where it's kind of drawn us inward. And I think we're kind of seeing the emergence of the connection, whether it's over Zoom or YouTube or social media, but really to try to stay connected and help move everyone along on this path as we all are trying to figure it out. You know, we don't know exactly what the future looks like, but if we all kind of partner together, you never know what you can create. That's it, you know, and and the thing that a lot of people forget is that with all of our differences, and there's a lot of them these days, you know, we're basically still the same people, you know, and the ability to set things aside has become very difficult, but food is one of the things that brings people together. And I always tell people, you know, you, you, you don't have to speak the same language. If you sit at a table with someone by the end of the meal, you're laughing and talking and, you know, trying each other's language and communicating because food is that great bonding tool. What just showed up for me right there in that conversation is, you know, it's so ubiquitous. Like it's, it's one of those almost blind spots. It's hidden to us because we do it every single day. And it has been here a part of eating since the world began. And this is, you know, this is how we gather. And this is like something that sustains us and invigorates us is, is food. And that's why I was so excited to talk with you. And it did really make me more present of when I was creating food or planning what I was going to have for dinner. And I was definitely going through your website and found some awesome recipes that we have to chat about, but just like how, you know, not present I was to how often I like do eat and what the nutrients are. And just that, again, it's kind of seemed like, oh, it's just something that I always do, but you can really make it a conscious effort. Has that been something you've discovered along the way too? I mean, because you're crafting this amazing art and then, you know, sitting and eating and, you know, really kind of talking about the ingredients and being with people. Has that been a conscious like practice for you? It's been a conscious practice, but unfortunately not as much of me being taking part in the eating. Mm-hmm. It was me preparing meals for other people and, and trying to really make them happy and, and bring joy to them. Cause in return, that's when I found real, real happiness. I mean, I, I just, that was what really drove me. Uh, it wasn't any, success metric, any award metric. It was like, if I would go out in the dining room and people were quiet and they were eating and I saw them unbuttoning their belts a little right. bit, okay. or then I, I said, I had done my job. You know? <laughs> that was so good. I you know, that. it's, it's making, it's just giving them and creating something that they're really going to enjoy. And at the beginning of our conversation here, you know, you talked about trying like carpentry or poetry, and this is just another reflection of that, of being able to make a cohesive plate where people, where you see them light up when they're eating it. So I do see that artwork there that you are, you know, sharpening your craft every time and seeing the result of people being so excited about it. And that's it. And it's, it's, there was an old, someone taught me early on, people eat with their eyes. Mm. So if it doesn't look attractive, you know, they're, they're not going to, it's not going to taste as good. Sometimes you've got a mediocre meal, but it just looks amazing. Like every now and then I get a meal, it'll be served to me and it'll come out. And I just look at it. My wife goes, you're going to eat it. I says, yeah, in a minute. And I, pick it up <laughs> and I, right. I smell it and I just look at it and I appreciate it. And then I eat it. You know, it's right. like, it just depends. There's you can find joy in food in so many different ways. 
let's talk about food. Let's talk about some of these incredible recipes. You know, what have been some of the major fan favorites? I know when I went through the website, the tomato and spinach lasagna was like, it looked amazing because anything that has ricotta in it, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I really want to try that. So I've been a vegetarian, pescatarian, vegan for about 12 years. I just kind of mix it up depending on the time. And I know that you, on your website, are able to categorize so many things and you really care about what people are eating with the nutrients and, you know, being able to like appeal to any kind of audience. So I'd love for you to chat a little bit about the food and what's been awesome and great reviews. So everything looks, y'all go to the website, askchefdennis.com and check out some of the recipes there. They they literally look incredible. You can look with your eyes as Dennis is speaking. You know, I, I have tried to categorize, like you said, and I did hire a company that has helped me and brought that to my attention, that there were more categories I could have. So I have been doing that. I am not so much a vegetarian or a vegan cook. I make some things that turn out that way mm-hmm. simply because of the recipes. I am not a low carb cook, but I make things, you know, low fat. I, I make recipes not based on the dietary needs, but just basically based on the culinary, you know, particulars that go mm-hmm. into the dish. So that's why I never thought about them being in other categories. And I says, all of a sudden, well, look at all these low fat things I made. Look at all these low carb. Someone had said, I wish you do low carb. And I said, I think a lot of the things are low carb. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, cool. Naturally, you know, some things I, I don't cook as much vegan as I probably could. What are the fan favorites or that you've had the most you know, reviews and comments on? Tiramisu. Tiramisu. Oh. I used to have, uh, you know, I had the number one tiramisu for many, many years. And then recently, like the New York Times has pushed me out. Oh, wow. Somebody, okay. I, gotta I know. I know. It's like, yeah, they, they started. <laughs> blo- Times, oh, my gosh. Yeah. They started blogging and they've like killed a lot of us for the top spots. And Washington Post is starting. You know, they found out that they could make money sharing recipes, basically other people's recipes. On right, their sites. right. But tiramisu has always been my fan favorite. I get more letters on that. I get more compliments than that. I think I've had like. I think there's like 2000 comments on it. I just wrote a post on uh, oven baked baby back ribs and that's taken Mm. off uh, surprisingly because so many people, you know, they, for years, I never touched ribs because I didn't feel proficient. I never had cooked ribs. Mm. And then I, my wife loves ribs. So I got tired of buying them for pre-made that were never very good and started making them. I said, well, this isn't difficult. Let's do this. Let's do Then I started applying my other skills and techniques like, you know, roasting meats, you know, and again, same thing. I roast vegetables, you know, same kind of philosophy applies different times. That's about it. Mm. You know, you're cooking things differently, but you know, the stuff applies. So that's been big. It's a lot of my seafood dishes. People love swordfish. I have a really good swordfish recipe that's at the top all the time. I have a stuffed uh, salmon recipe that's stuffed with the cream cheese and crab meat. I'm thinking about all of these, like that's flashing through my head about how delicious like these look and would taste. And and these are all recipes that can be done in about 30 minutes. Is that right? Pretty much. You know, I, I have some that'll go 40 and then I have some that require like roast Mm-hmm. Or like I, I have a, a bolognese sauce recipe and I tell people minimum three hours. I said, I, I just made a marinara sauce with sauces. My wife lets it's not really marinara, it's spaghetti sauce. Marinara is quick mm-hmm. spaghetti sauce, but I had it on the stove for seven hours. Oh, I see. Yes. I had, I had, I started early on a, on a Sunday morning and I had it on the stove all day on low. And the longer you can keep something like that on, the better it gets, the better it gets. And like with sauces, the next day, it's even better. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds amazing. Yes. Yeah. And I'm, I, I love sauces. 
I love the curiosity too, to like, you know, always be expanding and trying different things, you know, and you touched upon something that's actually been even another level for you is being a travel food blogger. And you've traveled the world and you've talked about your beautiful wife and how you guys get to spend time together. I know the pandemic threw a little bit of a wrench into that, but yeah, where have you gone and what have you tried? And like, just what have you experienced? Because I love traveling, you know, food markets, trying different things in, in different countries. So let's let's talk a little travel. Paris is still my favorite all-time city of all time. You know, I just love Paris. But we have been, we were in Spain as another place. I was I was in Madrid and I go, I can live here. <laughs> it was just amazing and the people the one thing about it was i'm looking around because they all look like us they all look like america americans they look like you know they dress the same you know you go into france and they've got that savoir faire and sophistication italy there you're just dressed really cool you know <laughs> fashion but in, in spirits oh man they look just like us and 11 o'clock at night streets are packed and everybody's happy it's like new york but everybody's happy right right yes there is like a certain vibe but maybe it's because they took that little like a siesta in the middle of yeah. the afternoon but or that they're drinking sangria every you know, know. At, at every meal and i'm yeah. like i love i just yeah. love those different cultures yeah. and oh that's so great i love Madrid. Yeah. i've been to barcelona too yep. have you been to that amazing market the la bocaria yes everything's fresh yep. fruits vegetables yep. everything it's just amazing have you been to a few of those incredible markets or we have we got lucky like i i when we went to madrid and barcelona each city sent me on tours with with a guide and they always take you to those markets and you know eating uh, i had I, i'm not a big fan of octopus but i always whatever you put in front of me i will try and mm, i will right? uh, keep okay. an open mind so they sent me this one place and this is we're having octopus and i'm like oh, okay came out this huge tentacle and I'm looking at it and going, Oh my God, it was fabulous. It was the best, one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life, just because someone cooked it the right way. Mm. You know? And again, you know, I went out on a shrimp boat Well, they weren't out, but I watched an auction and then they took me on the boat. They said, now we're going to grill you some shrimp that we just caught. So on the boat, they grilled shrimp that they had just caught. And I'm eating shrimp. Do you want more shrimp? You want more? like, oh my God, I can sit here all night and eat shrimp. And I think that's enough for now. Oh, uh, I can't imagine how fresh that was. Oh yeah. Those beautiful red scampi they have, the shrimp they have, um, grease. We ate, I, I went out with a friend. I had known a friend in blogging that we'd never met. And we were going to her town, Naplio. And she says, my husband and I would like to take you out. Do you want to go to a tourist spot or a local? I says, oh no, a local. So I say, what's the special? And the owner goes, one minute he goes get the chef this real big guy robust smiling happy and he brings out a side of a whole lamb a whole side oh my gosh and he's showing me and he's slapping it you know he's slapping and he's <laughs> laughing and he's holding it up and i said i gotta get a picture of this and i went back in the kitchen and he's just so happy making me food and that's where i say joy right, right you know if you go in a restaurant and the staff the wait staff doesn't look happy it's probably not going to be the best meal you ever had Mm. but that joy has got to radiate from the kitchen, whether it's in a business or in your home. And that translates to other people's happiness. Wow. What a great little piece of advice there. A great tip for all the different times you're in a restaurant. Yeah. Joy radiates and they're excited about what yeah. they're doing and what they're cooking. That is amazing. Well, congratulations again to you growing the blog so much that now you get to be a travel blogger, yeah. all those incredible countries and 
you know, you're growing as a person, but even going to those countries, you expand just by being somewhere new. And then, then you have the flavors of all these incredible new dishes. I just, I just love that because, you know, we did, we talked before um, this conversation about growth mindset. And it's one of those things that putting yourself in a new situation, expanding even into your technology and blogging, you just never know what's around the corner when you try something out. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean that everything's going to work or everything's going to be a good fit, but you got to give it a try. Mm. You know, I, I was always told you need to try something three times to make sure, you know, it's just not right for you. And because I, I know the first time we went to Rome, yeah, it was Rome. I mean, how are you not going to like it? But right. really, really didn't <laughs> like Rome because it was where we stayed. Mm. The next time we stayed near the Spanish steps and we fell in love with Rome. <sighs> You know, that that's a great quote, too, because you usually hear about I'll try anything once, but you said give it three times. Three so times. I'm going to take that with me and yeah. try things out three times. Yeah. And then after three times, then you can honestly say, no, it sucks. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, Dennis, I, I mean, I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours, all of these like food, the recipes, your travel experiences, everything is just so cool. And I'm just, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of on this ride and adventure with you. So I know I could talk forever, but I want to be responsible for your time and wanted to get into something that's very near and dear to your heart, which is the food banks. Yes. And we pulled up um, feedingamerica.org. They have over 200 food banks listed in there for resources. And one of the biggest things I noticed by researching this was that the pandemic really, really hit so many people. There was over 53 million people that turned to food banks just in 2021. So I'd love to hear your experience with them. I'm sure you've had a lot over the years with different food banks and giving back and volunteering your incredible time. I've made my living with food. So that has always been my number one charity, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the food bank, whether it's a, like I said, a, a mission or whether it's just, you know, s- somehow to give back at grocery stores, always have those little coupons you can buy for $5, $1, $3 or $5. They're, they're not picky. Give them a dollar, a dollar helps, right. but you know, I'll grab one grab the $5 one and ring it up or whatever it is. Every time you go through now I see some of our places are rounding. Like I think I was in CVS and they were rounding uh, for the food bank. Mm. So it's 83 cents, you make it an even dollar. So, and it may not seem like much, but all those cents add up. Right. Like you said, it's, it's almost like we're unaware of eating every day or three times a day. And there's other people that, you know, they called it food insecure on the website. And so that you don't know where your next meal is coming from. So just even the conscious act of, you know, if you have extra food that you can take to a food bank, donate your time volunteering. And then I love Dennis, what you said, you know, a lot of the grocery stores or like CVS, Walgreens, those kinds of things do have those where you can give the extra 13 cents or 25 cents, you know, to a food bank and it all does add up. So we always say that even if we post on social media about feedingamerica.org, mm-hmm. you know, it's at least it's always bringing awareness and consciousness yeah. to, you know, to see what else is out there and that others are, are doing I that. I mean, I, I shop a lot on Amazon and even on Amazon, if you're in their one area, you can, you, they will donate a portion. They have to donate anyway. So you get to pick what charities mm-hmm. so on Amazon mine go to pet alliances, because that's the other thing that I, you know, I, that I'm big on. We, too. Love, we love pets too. <laughs> I know. I know. So, you know, those are, have always been my two major charities that I try to, to give to, you know, I, I don't feel bad. I don't give to others. because I try to give it all to like the ones mm-hmm. that really are nearest and dearest to my heart. 
Well, Dennis, let's finish up. And where can everybody find you? I've mentioned a little bit about your website, but I want to make sure everybody can find you because they're going to want to go see these recipes, your cool travel pictures, and just that you're such a fun person and so relatable to come hang out with you. Thank you. Well, my blog is askchefdennis.com. And on social media, you can find me as Ash Chef Dennis just about everywhere. I'm on TikTok. I don't have a big presence there yet. I'm still working on that one. <laughs> I'm old and I'm like still trying to grasp the, the, some of these new technology stuff. But again, it's time. Time is everything. But yes, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, you'll see all kinds of cool things. Wow. All right. Uh, well, I'm already following you because again, I was drawn to you, who you are as a person. You're just such a wonderful light and your story and journey is so incredible because you just keep on growing and expanding. And like you said, giving back in the same ways when people need that help. And that's yeah. just wonderful. I'm so uh, thankful that you've been on the show. Thank you so much for being here. It is my pleasure, Anne. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for listening to our conversation. If you have a GBL story in your life, share it with me on Instagram at getbusyliving underscore pod. I might just share your story on a future episode. Thank you for sharing in the good vibes and giving back and GBLing with us.